This is Soundtrack, a music podcast about the music that impacts our lives. Every episode is a conversation of how music has shaped and influenced one's life. Because music is the soundtrack to everyone's story. Soundtrack is hosted by Kyle Lichty. Hey everyone, I'm here with Victoria Capitina. How's it going? Pretty good. How about you? I'm doing well. You're in Grand Rapids at the moment. Uh, same here. Yep. And uh, but we're uh, keeping uh, socially distance at yep. the time. Thanks, so, Big Gretch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we first met. I want to say 2014 through a mutual friend. Mm-hmm. Hey, Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> we. Uh, so it was at like a it was an eighties cover band. Yes. Mega eighties at the intersection. Yeah. And then there was some other times where like we did uh karaoke with our friends mm-hmm. and uh and what kinda came about for us to have a in both in recognizing that we both had an interest in music was uh the karaoke because I did a killer song. Yep. I probably lost my mind. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's how kind of just from there uh, yep. getting to talk about music yep. you're originally from Dearborn Michigan just outside of Detroit talk about what that was like growing up in uh, good old Dearborn so it's a it's a really cool place it's the biggest suburb of Detroit so we have a lot of diversity there it's a heavily uh, Middle Eastern community so I grew up eating the best food in the world. Absolutely. I'm very grateful to be from that area. Yeah. That's cool. Growing up uh, as a kid, your dad was a huge influence for you with music Mm -hmm. and talk about how that came about and then what were the artists or genres that uh, were an influence for you? Yeah, so my dad is very into mostly like 60s, heavily 70s rock. And that was exclusively pretty much what I listened to. The first memory really of like recognizing a band, maybe like a few times, like being like, oh, this is, you know, the Beatles was the Beatles. We had a tape cassette back when those were a thing. And when we would drive up north to our house on Lake Huron, which is a four-hour drive, we had this children's cassette of Beatles songs. And it was, you know, the more, I guess, kid-friendly ones (laughs) of theirs, you know, mostly, you know, Yellow Submarine and Dear Prudence. And, yeah, so that's kind of the first memory I have of being, you know, in my head, like, I like this band. But yeah, my dad was a big influence. Um, I I thank my lucky stars that I grew up with a father that has good taste in music and pushed it on me, I guess. But um, it was, you know, a lot of CCR, Led Zeppelin, The Who, you know, uh, Bob Dylan, all of those greats. Um, he was really also, he is also really into like Jeff Beck, but that's not necessarily my cup of tea. I'm a more of a lyrics person. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Jefferson Airplane, the Kinks were big for me, Fleetwood Mac, which I later got to see live, Um, The Doors. So those were all really influential bands for me. And of course, The Beatles and um, particularly Paul Simon too. So that's another one that I really highlighted to you before. 
my dad <laughs> used to put on um, You Can Call Me Al, which is his, I think, most well-known song. Yeah. It's such it's a great song. It's such a bop. It's just, yeah. it puts you in a good mood. Yeah. I will, one of our like things was he would, you know, blast that song in the living room. We had this like giant stereo system at our old house when I was a kid. And uh, when that bass comes on in the middle of the song, that bass solo, yeah, he would like do the bass solo on his <laughs> belly. And that was like, I thought that was just the funniest thing ever. So so that was another like very early memory I have. And then uh, the Graceland album from Paul Simon was, I, I memorized, I think every song of that album, like as a child, oh, wow. <laughs> I loved it. And I, I didn't really realize like what the significance of that album was until I got a little older, obviously that was actually a very controversial album, which I mean, it's, yeah. it's a conversation, actually, that would be interesting to have with someone today, you know, with all the, the Black Lives Matter movement going on, because Paul Simon, he, you know, flew to South Africa and he worked with Ladysmith Black Mombazo and um, a lot of other African lyricists and instrumentalists and so on and so forth. And, you know, some people viewed it as you know, kind of taking their talents and putting it in his album for his own benefit. And other people viewed it as elevating these artists um, in a way that they would not have had the opportunity otherwise. So it's a very interesting, controversial album to me. But yeah, it it was uh, it was a lot more complex lyrically than I could have ever even wrapped my head around at age like eight. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's, what's controversial about it, too, is that at that time, uh, South Africa had apartheid. Yes. Uh, so uh, you had white Afrikaners who basically, which is a, like the uh, white uh, group of people living in South Africa that mm-hmm. basically denied all sorts of rights to, you know, black South Africans. Mm-hmm. And so what at that time you had was a lot of music artists would boycott going to South Africa. Yep. And so a lot of people were upset that he went over there and flew them back to the United States. And yeah. 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 So it was, but it is, it's a very interesting album. It's an interesting concept of what he did, but I, I truly like, you know, and this might just be my privilege speaking, but, you know, I I really do think that he was trying to showcase a lot of their talents because like that, that bass solo, for example, was, I believe, a South African uh, bassist. And he just did that on a whim when they were recording one time, he just kind of like slapped that out out of nowhere. And Paul Simon, you know, from what I've read, it was kind of like, whoa, what was that? Like, we have to include that in the song. So I think I, and I really do hope that it is the truth that he recognized how like uniquely talented a lot of these people were and did it out of good intention. So, yeah. yeah. But it's such a, uh, such a unique album, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, to, I mean, when you've got a song that is so eighties, like you can call me out mm-hmm. and then the other tracks that, so much of a like like what we've been talking about with the African kind of yeah. songs. There's just such a diverse collection of songs on there. 
Yeah. And that was kind of, it's, it's a very, like when you hear it for the first time, you can't just sit back and like, you know, wash the dishes or like, right, yeah, yeah. you know, like it, it's like a, like stop in your tracks. And I'll, I'm going to use that term a lot because that's how I associate the bands that I really, really, really love is it was like a stop in my tracks kind of moment. But like, this is an album that's so lyrically complex. It's so um, instrumentally complex and it's got so many different, you know, cultural influences and so on and so forth. It's just like, you have to sit down and give it the time that it deserves in my opinion. Yeah. It's like a, it just bridges so many genres of music mm-hmm. and to say cultures. the least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it makes it a, for a fascinating listen. I right? like it really does. What we've been talking about. Yeah. Why is uh, the seventies rock your favorite era of music? I think a lot of it is, it is like, I, I love that kind of raw guitar element of nineties rock. Yeah. And I, but mostly I think, you know, like I said, I'm a lyrics person through and through. And I think a lot of that music was a product of its time. Um, and I see that mirrored in music now. So, you know, CCR and uh, Queen and Springsteen, um, these were all like, you know, just to name a few, obviously, but, you know, it, they were making music that wasn't just meant to be, you know, some like trash song that's put on the radio. It was an outcry, you know, during, you know, the wars and, you know, the things that they saw, the injustices that were going on. Um, I think it's, those kinds of, you know, bands really maybe unbeknownst to them at the time, but it was like a time capsule for what was going on in such a crazy time in American history and world history for that matter. Like now, when we look back, when we're, you know, 30 years from now, I think This Is America by Childish Gambino will kind of be a song where we say, oh yeah, I remember when that came out. I remember why it came out. Um, and that's, you know, an outcry. And I think that songs like, Born in the USA, you know, by Springsteen, you know, where everyone kind of, you know, plays that on the 4th of July. If you really listen to that song, you know, it, it details, you know, a lot of like uh, issues from, you know, you know, with PTSD from soldiers from the Vietnam War and, um, right. you know, veterans coming home and how American society and the government is not really welcoming to its own veterans. So I think maybe that's why I think that, you know, instrumentals aside obviously you can't you can't knock you know zeppelin and the who you know their their instrumental abilities are are unworldly to me but these i don't know i guess it's just to me that era took the time to couple their lyrics with their like crazy asinine awesome guitar solos and make it so beautiful and so dynamic and guess that's kind of why it's so important to me yeah well it's it's crazy how like in a lot of these examples that you give like ccr that Mm -hmm. are speaking out against politicians yeah and like fortunate son is a prime example of that oh yeah and yet it charts it does well and Mm -hmm. there might have been some backlash but But it was backlash that was needed at the time. You know, it was something that I think American citizens really needed to hear. And, you know, not only is it like a a 
really catchy song, but it's, you know, it's something where you're, if you're listening, you're like, yeah, stick it to the man, you know, <laughs> like it, it kind of like gives you hope that um, it, it becomes more of an anthem than it does just some song on the radio. Yeah, totally. You mentioned that you had saw uh, Fleetwood Mac in, oh. in uh, I'm assuming, Van Andel. Yeah, at Van Andel, the last time they were here, I believe. Um, oh, yeah. I think. Gosh, that was that had to be like 20... Because I saw them 14? two years ago. Oh, okay, then it wasn't. But, yeah, I think I saw them in like 2014 or 15. Okay. Uh, what was that like? Oh, God, like you would imagine times 10. And it was totally unexpected because when I heard they were coming, I was like, fuck yeah, I need tickets. And it was around Christmas time. And I looked up and, you know, the cheapest tickets were like ridiculous. They were like over $200. And uh, when I got home for Christmas break from college, you know, I mentioned it to my parents. And this was like two days before Christmas. And somehow... They nabbed tickets for me. That was like my big Christmas present. And I, wow. I like, like almost passed out. I think like it was, I was like, I'm going to see them in person. Like that's unmatched. So yeah, it was amazing. And Van Andel is actually a really great venue for something like that because it's, it's a lot smaller than a lot of the venues I'm used to on the East side of the state. So really, no matter where you're sitting, you have a pretty good view. Like I could see Stevie Nicks face. <laughs> I was just like, it was a spiritual experience for me, to say the least. I went with my friend David, who mm-hmm. um, is a big Fleetwood Mac fan, and we just had the time of our lives. It was, it was great. You know, this is kind of derailing, but I another band I saw at um, Van Andel was uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and it was right after yeah i know (laughs) it was right after uh anthony kiedis's dad i think had passed and he is from the area i believe right he's from the grand rapids area anthony was born here in grand rapids was he yeah i thought so and yeah he kind of he stopped in the middle of their set and kind of said to the crowd he's like you know i just it feels like home here and you know, it's it's really good for me to be back here, even though it is kind of sad. My dad just passed. It's it really like means something when they, you know, that was a very personal thing because you know it was the city he was born in. So. Yeah, I almost bought tickets to that show. You and did? <laughs> I I couldn't do it at the time. Just yeah. But I, they're the one band that I need to see more than yeah, any other that, that I haven't seen yet. Yeah, it was, I got to go to that show on a whim. I was literally working a shift at the Bob across the street that day. I will never forget this. And the guy I was dating at the time, he also worked there and um, he really loved chili peppers. And um, we were like, man, you know, I, I was serving the whole crowd that was going over to Van Andel. And I was getting cut kind of early, I think. And... I was like first cut or something and he just waltzes in. He's like, you know what? You know what? We got to go. We got to go. We have to, we got to see him in his hometown. And I was like, are you serious? And he just got tickets. And we just, I, I walked across the street in my uniform and went and saw the chili peppers. Wow. And we missed the opener of course and everything. Cause I was still working, but yeah, right when they came on was pretty much when we walked up to our seats. So that was uh, pretty unforgettable. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You were mentioning 
the uh, the live element of, of a show. What what is it about that that's so impactful and important to you? Yeah, there's. I mean, there's just nothing like it. Like any live music to me is like I said, like a spiritual experience. It's especially after. COVID, it's something I will never take for granted again. I think it's just the coupling of, you know, seeing these these artists in person in the flesh. It's not just like seeing a famous person on the street, whatever. It is them in the flesh, somebody that, you know, that used their mind, their imagination, their creativity to to make music that moves you, that changes you, that like alters your life I mean it's it's like to see that person that group in the flesh is is just like coupled with you know being you know you know the music is super loud it's encompassing you it's it's you know a a thousand times different than just slapping your headphones on it's just the full experience all five senses getting bumped into people and just like you know the loud music and the sights and everything it's just it's indescribable and it's, it's like church for me, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, mom. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is. Oh, it's I, something I definitely miss right now. Same, same. I, I miss it so much. Yeah. I had tickets to see like rage against the machine, Foo Fighters, yes. uh, Foles. I mean, it was just, Wow. Those are some good months too. Yeah. Hopefully you got refunded or rescheduled. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're, they're both planning or all three are postponed. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was pretty yeah. bummed. The festival season's going to be canceled. Yeah. I was really looking forward to Mopop in Detroit this year, but. Same. I, uh, Cause uh, the 1975 is going to be yep. there. And Orville Peck. Yeah. Oh man. It was going to be good, but I'm very grateful. I've, and gosh, since I think October, I've seen like, you know, before COVID hit, I saw like five or six shows in a pretty short amount of time. So I was very Who'd fortunate that I had all that. I saw, I saw Oroville Peck in October. I saw Brockhampton in November. Okay. Detroit. I saw Trampled by Turtles in January here. Oh, I saw Whitney in February, and then YNB Corday um, sometime in the winter. I think that was January. Okay. So, yeah, some really diverse stuff. <laughs> right. But, yeah, it was awesome. You mentioned earlier, due to being so close to Detroit, uh, that Eminem and hip-hop was really driving with you. What kind of impact did that have for you as a... Oh, a white, a girl, white girl from the suburbs. Yeah. You can say it. <laughs> um, I think it, it made me a better person to be frank. I mean, I don't know. Like I, I grew up in a conservative household, you know, and that was not really, you know, parents weren't big on hip hop. They didn't like it. They didn't approve of it. So, you know, I, I got introduced to, of course, Eminem pretty early on because, you know, back in my like teenage years, he was blowing up. And of course, you know, everyone's like, oh my God, we have the same area code. So I think that 90s hip hop made a bigger impact on me. Like really, I started getting into that a little bit in high school and then more when I got to college. 
Tribe Called Quest. Yeah. Lauren, Ms. Lauren Hill and Outcast. Biggie, of course. Dale Soul was a big one that I liked. But yeah, that kind of, I think, you know, like I said, with 70s rock, like 90s hip hop is a very, very big time capsule genre. Yeah. And it's, again, super relevant today. I mean, like, it's almost like, you know, reading a history book, educating yourself, I think, is a huge, like, as a white person, I think, you know, really lyrically paying attention to a lot of these artists is is so important because a lot of them it's not just some bop they're trying to put on the radio it's a message it's an outcry it's you know it's it's trying to create awareness it's it's anger you know rightful anger (laughs) so i don't know it was it was honestly as big of an education to me as it was just me enjoying the beat yeah totally what uh, for those who may be not familiar with those messages, uh, could you like give a little more detail as to uh, you know what like a a tribe called Quest or mm-hmm. NWA or uh, you know those those kind of artists were trying to convey? Yeah, I think it was a lot of both kind of. I mean, honestly, like systematic racism was a big thing um, that they touched on. But, you know, like A Tribe Called Quest and The Far Side, I think, too, they they do it in a very eloquent way. They're very intentional, you know, in the way that they craft their lyrics. But I think it was, you know, kind of just constructed on a lot of more like, you know, the N-word and kind of like, I don't know, like highlighting the wrongness in it in a lot of ways. And then, you know, a lot of things that were just more in the music industry itself, like just the um, the disparities of, you know, being a black artist, especially yeah. in hip hop with recording companies, the struggles that might come across with, you know, your music being too hardcore, too aggressive or so on and so forth. That was a lot of the messages that I got. And then, of course, just you know, struggles of growing up and, you know, those kinds of messages, which was obviously like a huge difference in the way that I was raised and I grew up. So I don't know, those are kind of the elements that I get, but a lot of them, like Tribe Called Quest especially, yeah, totally. was very revolutionary in the way that they talked about, I think, how, you know, it was being in that industry as a black group. But I've got a lot to learn. I'll say that. Like, <laughs> it's a good genre to kind of just do a, like a deep dive in and, you know, pick an album, listen, and kind of, you know, maybe like look up what was going on at the time. But that's kind of what I do. I, I try to hyper focus on an album here or there and try to get the message across. But those are the big elements that I see. As you're growing up more middle school and high school, uh, you start delving into more alternative music mm-hmm. at that time and more of coming of your own recognition of what you like, it seems yep. like. And so bands like Foster the People, The Killers, Coldplay, mm-hmm. how did that come about to be able to recognize that I want to listen to this music because I enjoy it rather than just because that's what other people are doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other people was mostly just my my dad, honestly. <laughs> but it was, it's funny, it's, you know, and, you know, yeah, the whole, like, pop thing, too. You know, it's just, you know, what my friends are introducing me 
too. But yeah, you're right. It's it's funny because the first time I heard Coldplay was again like a stop in my tracks kind of moment. I was like 12, I think. And I heard the song Clocks, and ironically, my father was playing it, like, really loud in the garage, but I was, like, walking past the door, and I heard that beautiful piano in the beginning, and I literally just, like, stopped what I was doing, and I was like, whoa, it it was, you know, that kind of moment. And then, you know, Coldplay is a pretty approachable band, but um, Foster the People was a big, big influence to me. That was really that first band that was that stood out so much to me that I said you know this is a lot different than what I grew up with it's a lot different than anything that I know I like the lyrics I like the kind of introduction of more like some electronics in there it's a lot of like not a lot but it's it's definitely got a little synth pop in there and it was just like nothing I had ever heard and Helena Beat was the first song that I heard it came on when I was in the car with um, my friend Angie, my, one of my best friends from high school, she introduced me to Foster. And when I heard that song, I was just like, wow, like, I don't know. It, it, it turned on something in my brain that I had not had before. And it was so pivotal to me that they ended up being my first tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a couple of mimosas deep on a Sunday. I grabbed their uh, <laughs> album cover, their Torches album cover, and... I was with two of my other really good friends that also are big, big fans of the album. And it's got a bunch of little hand-drawn little monsters on the front. It's a really cool yeah. cover. And I picked the one that was, he's got his organs all out. He's anatomically correct. And I slapped that baby right on my bicep. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of, it's kind of a ode to the fact that, you know, this isn't like something where it's like, Foster the People got me through some hard times, yada, yada, yada. I mean, that's fine if you have bands that are like that. We all do. But it was more of just like, this is a symbol of my coming of age of realizing that, holy shit, like, you know, I'm creating a whole library of music that's just mine, that I'm creating, that I really enjoy. Yeah. And that was kind of symbolic in that way. So. Have you seen uh, Foster the People? I have. I saw them at Lollapalooza okay. in, gosh, like 2013 maybe or 12, 13, one of those. Yeah, Mark Foster and his little leather jacket. <laughs> it, was, it was memorable. Yeah, and I went with my friend, actually, she was with me, the one who introduced me to them. So Nice. Yeah, it was, it was, it was spiritual, as I've said, but yeah, yeah, I think they're, they're very, they're very dynamic in their albums, but you know, Torches is, that will always hold a very special place in my heart. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how, how big they got just from pumped up kicks yep. and how huge uh, that whole album was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's it came out. rumored that you know that pumped up kick well it's not rumored it's, it's it is what it is but um you know that's more of an outcry of you know gun violence in schools yeah. if you really pay attention to the lyrics and what was actually rumored is that you know their their acronym ftp foster the people is actually a nod to fuck the police but <laughs> okay that's a whole other thing i don't know if that's true i probably never will i'm not gonna speculate but yeah. um yeah a lot of their stuff is like you know like i said like in 70s rock it is kind of a societal outcry 
what's going on. And I admire that about them. You mentioned the killers as well. Mm hmm. Yeah, I would say that's what we bonded over. (laughs) Do you remember what song you picked on for karaoke? It would have been either Mr. Brightside or when you were uh, when you were young. young. Yeah. Solid. Uh, Solid. Those are those are my two. Yep. Go to's good go to. But yeah, the killers were big for me. Hot Fuss and so on and so forth. Um, But honestly, and I think I included this, you know, but Brandon Flowers, lead singer of the killers, his solo albums are almost um, equivalent to me, like in in my love for the killers as they are for his solo albums. I, I love, 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 love Flamingo. And I love the desired effect. I think they're such beautifully put together albums. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, he's, he's one of the few solo artists, you know, other than maybe like George Harrison or, you know, that went rogue and really, I think like expanded on their personal potential, maybe a little bit more than they could have just in a band. Yeah. I know he, for, uh, I forget if it was Flamingo or the desired effect, but he actually did, uh, lessons on his voice. Really? Uh, yeah. Huh. He, he he took vocal lessons. I did um, not know that. So he he just wanted to get better. Yeah. Uh, and that's not surprising. He he's the kind of artist that he's not going to put out something that is just for the hits on the radio. Yeah. He he will take 7 years to put out a new album if he needs to to make it what he wants it to be, you know. And right. I that's another admirable thing about him and I've, you know, reading his interviews and, but I've, I've really gotten that just, I'm, I'm talking about him. Like I know him personally, I wish, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I really admire that about him. And um, yeah, I think, you know, it, it's cool that he, you know, he, he really admires where he's from. He's from, you know, Las Vegas, obviously. And, um, you know, Flamingo, I actually stayed in the Flamingo hotel, which is what the oh. album is named after. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he he was really that does that Americana, right? So and yes, it was intentional. Yeah. Again, <laughs> I went with my friend Angie. That is a big. She's the one that introduced me to positive people, and she's also a big Brandon Flowers fan. So when we went to uh, Las Vegas, it was a must. So have you heard the the new song that came out this week from the Killers? No, I haven't. I think I've. Oh man been at work since I can remember and it's yeah I actually totally forgot about that is it good it's amazing <laughs> really I like uh, the first 45 seconds are like a slow intro uh-huh. and then it just kicks right in with Ronnie's drums and there's a synthesizer oh. it's just it's oh my gosh I'm so excited I, now <laughs> the first time I heard it I just threw up my hands in the air yes. just like that's how you yes. know. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Wow. It's, I'm it's, so excited. We need yeah. to cut this short. I got to go listen. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This last album, it was okay. It was not my favorite. Or The Killer's last album, I guess. Yeah. But, um, wonderful, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely not, not up there with my favorites. But he did put out, oh gosh, what was that song? He was really upset. Brandon Flowers was really personally upset about the. Um, oh yeah, Land the of the Free. 
Yeah, the immigrant situation. He put out yeah. that song and like he did that video with uh, was it Spike Lee? Yeah, but they made a really beautiful song video tribute to you know what was going on with the immigrant children. Yeah, in cages and I don't know. He's he, I admire him too for that reason. He's a very he's Mormon and he is very open about his you know his faith. And his family's faith and everything, but he he's not the type to you know shove it on anyone. He talks about it when he's being interviewed and doesn't really you know it's not something he's trying to shove down your throat by any means. But you could tell that by making that song, you know he, he's not very vocal about politics or anything of that nature. So you know that that really really bothered him. Yeah. Um, and I was you know actually really proud to be a fan of his at that moment because you know it was it was a it was a song that we all needed to hear and it was you know very um upsetting to watch the footage that they captured but it was you know i think everybody at that time should have you know been watching it because yeah but i was really astounded in a good way that he put that out at that time right so post high school you you moved to Grand Rapids uh, mm-hmm. to go to Grand Valley. What were the influences and the artists that were making an impact during college for you? Definitely Lana Del Rey. That was it. Was funny because you know a lot of my friends loved her, and the only I'm I'm a stubborn, hard headed person sometimes, and the only music I had ever heard from her was her one performance on SNL, which mm-hmm. um, even as a huge fan now, it was not great. <laughs> And I would not give her a chance after I saw that, which I go back and kick myself about. But I don't know. I mean, after it was funny, I was actually working out at the gym after work one day and I had some shuffle playlist on and Dark Paradise came on one of her songs. And I didn't know it was her, of course. And I stopped what I was doing at the gym and sat down, put my weights down and sat. And I was like, holy shit. (laughs) <laughs> Who is this? Let me dive deep into this. I gotta go home. I gotta I gotta research. And of course I look and I'm like, Lana Del Rey, the hell? And I don't know, I listened to the entire Born to Die album that day, like front to back, like three times, and I was like, Well, you know, I played myself for the past couple of years by not giving her a chance. Um, but yeah, it's you know, Lana is is one of those artists where she's kind of dismissed as just some like She's kind of like put in that like almost misogynist category sometimes, like some sad girl shit. And like, it is some sad girl shit. But like, you know, after, you know, you move out of your parents' house, you go to college, you go through a couple breakups, you know, you have some like, you know, tumultuous life experiences. I think it's really her music to me, just like it was amplified, you know, by I guess the experiences I've had and a lot of elements of her music that are considered like misogynistic to some people are actually, it's a lot more complex than that. You know, I, I think people don't give her credit enough. You know, I guess it's kind of like that, that element of like a picture, you know, a, a housewife that, you know, you know is, is, is devoted to her husband, no matter how shitty he is. And, you know, just loves this man and, you know, he might cheat on her and do X, Y, and Z, but, you know, she is a ride or die, as she'll say. And, you know, it's it's kind of like 
people write that off as, oh, you are so anti-feminist, you're singing about this, but that doesn't have to be, you know, taken so literally. I think there's, in a lot of women, including myself, I like her music so much because I see elements of that in some relationships I've had. And it's actually nice to, like, have somebody, you know, basically, like, sing their truth about it, you know? It's not something necessarily to be proud of, but something that we all deal with sometimes as women and, you know, whether we like to admit it or not. So I think that's part of why I like her music so much. And she's one of the few artists I know who put out an album, like, her, like, fourth or fifth album, Norman fucking Rockwell, and it was a banger. Like... Uh You know, how many artists you can say that many albums down the road where it almost surpasses critically and just personally how much you like, you know, their first or second ones, which are typical of, you know, the favorites. So do you feel like maybe she's speaking uh, on like kind of like what you were talking about? Like, this is the situation that I'm in Mm -hmm. and this is what I have to this is what I'm having to deal with, given the the barriers that I face as a woman mm-hmm. is yeah. that what you're I think trying to get at yeah parts of that and then also just I think she's self-aware at the fact that she might not choose the best men you know we all live a, love a good bad boy you know in our lives and <laughs> she's not shy about it you know she sings about you know how toxic a lot of these men are and how She likes them older and, you know, she has a lot of elements too of like um, the Lolita film, the Lolita book, you know, that kind of stuff. So I think it is both what you said and kind of just highlighting that, you know, maybe my taste is a little fucked up, but, you know, it, it gives her a thrill and like, not all women are like that, obviously, but, you know, a lot of us do have that kind of more sinister side side where yeah where it's kind of like a darker side where we're like oh you know this guy is not good for me not good for my mind not good for my body but I'm gonna do it anyway it feels wrong (laughs) 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 and I don't know it was she was another one where you know you know a lot of Italian households you know men are the breadwinners men are king you know yada 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 and women are, are meant to look the other way with their business or look the other way with what their husbands do when they're not home. And it is kind of a lot of elements of that too, that I see in her music. And I'm like, man, I don't want to relate to this, but I like, oof, (laughs) it's close to home sometimes. So I don't know. It's, uh, she doesn't get enough credit for, um, you know, people take a lot of her lyrics and her music, um, at a surface level and they don't look at, you know, the message she's trying to come across, I think. And she got in a lot of trouble for that recently with the post that she made, but yeah. That's a whole different thing. So. <laughs> so another probably your your favorite band mm-hmm. starts to come into play around this time as well, Lord Huron. And yeah. talk about uh the story of how you uh came to hear about them and and the significance of the name to for you and uh what it was like to to see them live. I know that was a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah, but um, no, Lord Huron, yeah, gun to my head. Like, if I had to listen to one band for the rest of my life, they would definitely be in the running. And I guess I'll, I'll start with how 
how I first discovered them. Um, I'm a big Spotify fan. I will be a Spotify premium member till I die. Um, and then after that too, but I was, uh, new to Spotify. It was back in like 2013 or 14. And, uh, I was putting on my discover weekly playlist and I was in the car. It was like a very crisp September day and meet me in the woods came on and I literally had to pull my car over and just sit there and listen. And it was just an eerie, eerie song. It was, it gave me, you know, some up North vibes and it was just, you know, his voice was just like so hauntingly beautiful to me. Yeah. After that, I was toast. (laughs) I, uh, I, you know, looked them up of course. And, you know, I noticed their name right away and I was like, I wonder if that has any indication of Lord or, you know, Lake Huron. And, uh, you know, when I got home, I, well, I, I I guess I should start by saying I grew up in the summers on Lake Huron. So we had a house up there in my cottage and we would live there pretty much three months out of the year. And that's, that was uh, every year of my life since I was, I think, three, mm-hmm. year four. So I spent, you know, a good chunk of my life up there, actually. It holds a very, very, very special place in my heart. Um, it's my favorite place in the world. And so obviously when I, when I you know, saw the name Huron, I, I was like, this can't be a coincidence. So lo and behold, Ben Schneider, who is the lead singer, his family also had a house up north, which was... Oh, wow like ridiculously close to where ours is. And uh, he was inspired by the beauty of it and the, um, you know, the the mass, you know, kind of eeriness of, of Lake Huron itself. Um, Lake Huron is known, especially Thunder Bay, where um, around where our, our houses are, is known for its shipwrecks. You know, yeah. the weather can, kind of like Lake Superior, can change on, you know, on a dime and it's known for, taking down quite a few ships back in the day. So, yeah, I, I was, when I listened to Strange Trails, which is my favorite album by, by Lord Huron, it was it was almost like the first album to transport me to that place that I love so much. There's just the, the instrumentals and um, the lyrics, of course, just, it was transcending to me. It was like, it was like taking a piece of that favorite place of mine and just putting it in my headphones. And yeah, I'll never forget hearing them for the first time. And yeah, I was done since then. And yeah, they sing a lot about death, um, <laughs> about dying, which sounds morbid, but death is fascinating to me. And uh, they do it in a very eloquent way. And they also, um, Ben Schneider and other members of the band or maybe it's just him he does comic books too on the side and he has this character he he kind of does these comics about about death itself and you know uh the world ender as as he as his character is it's it's like skeleton guy riding on a motorcycle and he's basically like taking vengeance you know after post-death post-mortem for things that haven't happened in his life and so a lot of that is elemental in his music and yeah, they do it in a way that kind of showcases death as this thing that's all going to happen to all of us. It's nothing to be scared of, you know, that love surpasses, you know, that kind of arch of death. And I think it's really beautiful, the, the way they sing about it. Hmm. Have you given them a listen at all? I'm oh, curious. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, have. I, uh, 
I haven't, unfortunately, I haven't been able to see them live uh, mm-hmm. because they've, they've been at 20 Monroe uh, yeah. times or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, yeah. It, what's funny to me, because I have students that like Lord Huron, but they, really? but they, they came about it because of 13 reasons why. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that one song was in there and then it's, yeah. 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 The, the night we met. And oh. I just... <laughs> So, of course. <laughs> it's not to that, knock that, of course. You know, I'm glad that they got the yeah. they got the attention through that show. Yeah, for sure. So but hopefully they you know they're listening to other songs by Yeah, I really hope so because they have so much more to offer. It's kinda like pumped up kicks. It's like, all right, yeah, that's a bop, but like dive in, see what else is there. So Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw them live last summer actually in Milwaukee and um okay. I'm not gonna lie, I I, I took too much of an edible before I saw them. <laughs> like, I was just, I was out of my mind. <laughs> and um, it was great. It was, you know, it was everything I hoped for and more. But I would like to see them another time where I'm not um, high <laughs> out of my mind. It was very chill, obviously, but it was just like yeah. almost, I, I, I feel like I want to be almost sober the next time I see them to get the full experience. But, um, it was, it was magical regardless. So. Yeah. <laughs> Again, <awesome>. sorry, mom. <laughs> <laughs> now into more adulthood, uh, there's two genres that are kind of also, I mean, well, we've already talked about hip hop, but you yeah. kind of the more of a present day, renewal with with that run jewels kendrick lamar childish gambino yes yes it's uh, more of the newer age ones and yeah um yeah run the jewels has been playing nonstop uh lately <laughs> the new out al- the new album is amazing fire yeah it is fire and that's another one that we're gonna look back on years from now and it is oh, totally. a product of the time i mean they but they were singing about this shit ages ago they were singing about this on their first album killer mike has been a huge advocate for black lives matter and you know just black people in general and uh, the civil rights the new civil rights movement for a long time and but i think people are really honing in on that now and i'm glad that they put this album out like this month because yeah we needed it hard (laughs) oh it was it was a, a unique timing because they yeah. were they were already working on music before these you know depths of George Floyd and and others mm-hmm. in recent weeks and it just uh, it, incredible that the timing of, of the release in the yeah. midst of that. Uh, I would like I, to think that Killer Mike has some like sixth sense. Yeah, you just knew that this needed to be ready now. <laughs> yeah, well, and he just I mean he just unloads so oh, yeah. eloquently on so many different topics not mm-hmm. and not just in terms of like uh, racism uh he's he's even calling out like capitalism and and uh, you know just other things that were going on in, in our society yeah it is his message is more aggressive but it's again he does it in an eloquent manner where it's it makes you want to listen to him and like he does that in the way that he speaks too. Like when he spoke at um, in Atlanta, you know, at the press conference, like he's just one of those people where like he demands attention, but not in a 
not in a way that's condescending to anyone or, or anything. He's just, he's so well-spoken and he, it comes he's from authentic. his lyrics. Yeah. And he's, he's just, I don't know. He, he knows what he's talking about and he knows what the people need. And I don't know. He, I, I really admire him and I'm, I'm glad that we have him in this day and age, honestly. Yeah. What about other uh, hip hop artists that are speaking to you? Yeah, Kendrick is always going to be always going to be one of the one of the number ones. You know, he's I mean, he's the same way. He's been he's been, you know, lyrically active about this kind of stuff for years and years and years. And I just but his music itself. Oh, my God, it's just so good. It's right. so good. And, you know, it has a big residence on my workout playlist because it just like there's something about it that just it gets me physically fired up in a good way. Um, but also, you know, in an activism way, so <laughs> a little bit of both, but I think he is so intelligent. Like the, I, I think as a person too, and when you read or listen to his interviews or read his interviews, he, he's very intelligent and he, um, it comes across in his music too. So, yeah. I don't know. And then Childish Gambino, Rockhampton's another one that I love that I saw earlier this year live. Right. Um, they are like a modern day, like, like gangster boy band. And I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Kevin abstract. Like I, I listened to him a little bit before I've discovered Brockhampton. And then man, when I discovered that, that was another one where it's like, you know, I've heard a lot of hip hop and what say you, but there's, there's really nothing like their sound. And each album is just so, so different. You know, some are more like, ooh, this is a good summer jam for a barbecue. And this one's like, damn, like, this is like a, uh, you know, like an activist anthem. And then, I don't know, they're so versatile. And I think, you know, because they are a group rather than just a solo artist, it it really has highlighted their, their versatility. Oh, for sure. The past few years, one genre that has really been uh, at the focal point for you has been Americana mm-hmm. and, but that's, you know, there's been elements of that throughout your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what are some of those artists and why does that uh, speak so, so well to you? Mostly, you know, my, my boyfriend actually introduced me to a lot of them in the past year, Dylan LeBlanc, Jesse Woods, they are, and then of course, I really like Camp, Fruit Bats, Orville Peck, of course, is a really big one for me. And then, honestly, Americana, like, it doesn't mean country to me at all, but there's a few artists in that kind of country realm that I have given a try, and I'm so glad I did. And mostly they're Marin Morris, Casey Musgraves, and then actually Casey Musgraves' husband, Rustin Kelly. Those are kind of the big three that are kind of grouped in that country category, but I really, really enjoy their music. But all in all, I think Americana is kind of how I verbiage or the verbiage I use for that group because it makes me feel good. It makes me relax. It reminds me of being up north in the summertime. It's just more of like the the feeling that it gives me. And then of course, Lyrically, a lot of their their music is unmatched. But you know, Dylan LeBlanc, Jesse Woods—they're they're just songs that make you internally calm, at least for me. And and they're just so beautiful, and they're reminiscent of 
elements of like Johnny Cash and kind of that like actual country. <laughs> Not to yeah. knock like, you know, modern country, but also I hate it. And <laughs> I don't know. It just reminds you of being at a barbecue in like 1975. I don't know. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Or like being up north. So it, it's a lot of um, good camping music. Hell, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the High Women too. That's a that's a new yeah. group that I've really enjoyed. It's um, Marin Morris, Brandy Carlisle, and then I couldn't even tell you who the other two women are. But oh my gosh, they man, I am not a fan of country, but like I said, like newer country. But they are like that old time kind of beautiful harmonies and. Yeah. Um, I watched a, a video of them doing a just like a backstage song with Dolly Parton, and I was like, "Oh my god, they just sound like they should all just be together in one big happy big old group." It was awesome, so <laughs> I really enjoyed them. What is it about music that makes us enjoy it so much? Why do we, as humans, listen to music? I think you know, kind of like I said with Lord Huron, it it can transform you or not transform you, transport you to a place. I mean, even like there are, there are sometimes I listen to a song or like Brandon flowers, for example, um, when I saw him at Mopop, there are just like emotions that can be exuded from certain songs that you've seen live. Like I, I remember um, he sang only the young and I was, you know, I was with my friend oh, yeah. singing this live and this couple behind me, this girl was literally like crying. And I, we like turned around, we're like drunk. We're like, are you okay? And she's like with her husband. She's like, yeah, I just walked down the aisle to this song. Oh, wow. And it's just really like a happy, happy tears moment for me. And we all just hugged and cried. <laughs> and so it's like, every time I hear that song, I'm almost brought to tears because of like what senses, all the senses that I had going on at that moment. And you know, music is obviously a form of poetry, but it's a more approachable form of poetry for most of us, especially when you put it with a tune that we enjoy. Um, you know, these people, these artists are, if you're listening to the right music, they're, they're lyricists, they're poets, they're spilling their guts onto these albums. And I think that, you know, especially ones that are more specific on um, the lyrics, I guess, they, they speak to us in ways that nothing else like sometimes I'm sure everyone listening can relate you've heard a lyric that just like almost like smacks you in the face yeah it's like holy shit how did they know that that was going to strike that nerve right now like it's almost too real and, and music has a way of just kind of it can be vague sometimes which is why pop is a thing but you know when you when you get into more you know when you find what you like when you find genres that you enjoy and you find those artists I think they just have this ability to to unearth some things in you and things in your mind that make you what you are. Yeah, totally. Like I think I think the the anthology of music that a person likes is almost like untangible form of their personality. Yeah, totally agree. I, I wouldn't be able to live without it. Plain and simple, <laughs> honestly, like and and going to live music shows. I mean. I've said it a thousand times in, in this hour alone. It's like a spiritual experience for me. There's just, it's like you're taken out of your body and you're, you're with this group of people that, you know, feel the same way about this 
person, this fan, this moment in time. And it's, yeah, it's amazing. And it brings yeah. people together too. It's like, man, you know, who hasn't sung Mr. Brightside at some karaoke dive bar, you know? <laughs> like part of being a human at the Right. I, uh, when I saw, so the Foss of the People opened for the Killers mm -hmm. um, in, uh, I was in Indianapolis. Wow, what a and, time. Whew. Yeah. Mark was, uh, he was talking about, like, this was right when the Parkland shootings had just happened. Mm -hmm. And so there's just all like the midterm elections were coming up. And mm -hmm. so there's just a lot of divisiveness at the time. And he talked about how, like, regardless of what your views are, we're, we're all here together tonight because yeah. we, we enjoy music and we, we love, uh, this, this experience. Right. And I, it yeah. just, there's, there was something really cool about what he had to say. I thought in that. Yeah. And there's been a lot of times I've seen artists that are, you know, it's similar where they're, they're not trying to get a, there's been a few where it's like, okay, clearly you're trying to, you know, let us know what your agenda is, so on and so forth, your opinions, your views, whatever. And that's fine. They have the right to do that. But um, like Father John Misty, you know, I saw him at Mopop and he was uh -huh. phenomenal, loved it. But, you know, there was there was a, a, a rant in the middle of his set. <laughs> and not that I didn't agree with what he was saying, but, you know, to a point, it's like, all right, yes, yep, yep, yep. But uh, how, about, how about that next time? So, I don't know, it, but it was, it was, there's a difference between kind of, you know, stopping your set to, um, to uh, let everyone know what your opinion is. And then there's another, you know, there's a whole other side of that where it's like, let me kind of like remind you that, you know, we're this giant group of people and, you know, we're all very, very different, but here we are loving the same, loving the same music. And Orville Peck was an artist that, did that in a really great way. I saw him at the Pyramid Scheme, which is a very tiny venue. Yeah. <laughs> and he had not, this, I, I believe this was, no, this was after his Rolling Stone cover. So he was really starting to blow up back in the fall. And, um, you know, he really, I remember him just, you know, encouraging the crowd to not only like love one another, but be accepting, you know, because he, he identifies as gay and um, he, was reminding us just, you know, to be kind to one another. It doesn't matter what your sexual orientation are, you know, take the time to, um, you know, love your neighbor and, you know, uh, be accepting of people who might have a different sexuality than you and so on and so forth. And, but the way he said it, it was like a yeehaw kind of, you know, lighthearted version of that. But, you know, it, it made everyone in the room feel good. And I'm sure there were some people in there that maybe didn't, Think that way but in the way that he said it it was just like man like we're all having a great time let's just like remember this emotion remember how good you feel right now and look around you and look at all these humans also you know enjoying this moment and that's what's really important at the end of the day right well hopefully we can uh be able to go to a go to shows here in the, in the oh, foreseeable man. future I know there's so many artists I like I'm just put out a new album and I'd love to see Maggie Rogers I'd love yeah. to see 
Portugal the man, local natives, those are all really high on my list to see. I've been like diving into um, a lot lately that I've, I I just can't get it out of my head. I'm like, man, let's grab some tickets. And then I kind of snap back to reality and <laughs> cry a little bit. So. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for, for doing this, Victoria. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Especially talking to someone who has such great taste in music. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it makes it easy. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Soundtrack with Kyle Lichting. Each person interviewed has created a playlist to the various songs that have impacted their life. If you are interested in listening to their playlist, you can head straight to our website at soundtrack.fireside.fm. Click on Soundtrack Playlist and it will take you straight to their playlist on Spotify. If you like the podcast and want to know more, check out our Instagram at at Soundtrack Podcast, or leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Join us next time on Soundtrack. Soundtrack.